we were in the middle of the desert one night and um we're like 200 feet up on this cliff like overlooking the sunset and it was one of those moments you can't really explain and you're just like you're enjoying the moment with your family um and you're not getting it's it's it's, you don't really get those moments often in life you describing it had me i I closed my eyes for a second i felt like i was there it it sounded beautiful it sounded beautiful good imaginary Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota, the sunniest states in the U.S. We're going to be talking soccer, we're going to be talking life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. We also recently created our Instagram page on which we're featuring a wide range of great content. So throw us a follow at Footy Fellas Pod on Instagram. That's F-O-O-T-Y Fellas Pod on Instagram. We got another very special guest on the pod today, professional soccer player Andrew Tenari. It was great interviewing Andrew, hearing about some of his background, his journey, his experience in the U.S.'s United Soccer League, where he's still grinding to make a name for himself, but is absolutely a rising star. What an Easter morning. I don't know what it's like for you guys in Chicago, but it is snowing today. There is wow. snow falling down. It is accumulating. It's crazy. We don't, have, we don't have any snow. It's actually quite the opposite. It's like high 50s. It's, a, it's almost a gorgeous day. What did each of you guys find most interesting about our conversation with Andrew if you had to kind of pick out one part that, that you remember and enjoyed especially speaking about I I really loved the architecture background um, I thought it's super compelling to learn more about um, uh, the depth of a guy like him uh, who plays in a league as a professional soccer player but also has interests that um, extend beyond beyond the ubiquitous soccer that we inhale um, every day. So learning more about that was, was cool to me. Yeah. Likewise, I liked learning about his top five travel locations. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. I won't give any away this early, um, since he'll dive into them later on, but yeah, definitely, definitely some, some locations that I, that do not jump to mind right away. Uh, but, but a cool story behind why, why they are in his, in his top five list. Those are great. Yeah, it was awesome kind of hearing about his journey, both of those things, and then also talking a little bit about, you know, how is the coach-player relationship different in the USL when you're playing at a professional level versus in college? Or, you know, what does the team do kind of off the field? What's it like being a captain? What's it like being a new player on a team? I think he had a lot of pieces of, of his life that he's just, he was really open in, in speaking about, and, and we definitely appreciated that. So I think we, you know, we've talked about that we're really excited to start sharing more and more of these stories from different perspectives involved in the world of soccer and just kind of trying to humanize the game for all of us that, that love it and those that are more unfamiliar with soccer. So that's something that we're excited to bring to all of you, our listeners. The other thing we were chatting about earlier this week that I wanted to bring up was Masterclass because I'm assuming it's not just us three and that everyone else in the world is getting 50 to 100 Masterclass ads every day. And... 
was just was just curious. Are you tired of them yet? Is that something you still get excited to see? Do you watch all the way through each master class two and a half minute ad like I do? Where, <laughs> yeah. where do you stand? I, I'm watching. I'm watching the whole thing, brother. I'm sitting there watching it mesmerized. It's. I'm a little bummed that I think I've already been exposed to all 104 of them. So I like none of them are new anymore. But um, I'm. I'm definitely compelled to watch some, and uh, it's encouraging to know that our company pays for education stipend. So this, I think, would can't count towards that. Right, if we were to invest in it, um, because I mean, with all this downtime, it's it's brilliant that Masterclass is really pushing all of the ad advertising now. But uh, there's definitely some courses in there that I would I would love to watch, if if not to learn, just to, to hear something really mesmerizing from a top class professional. We're also sponsored by Masterclass. I should mention that. We're, <laughs> yeah, we get paid a lot. Masterclass. <laughs> Free promos here uh, don't exist, but. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, I was a big fan. I see. Was there anything that, that you've seen that, that piqued your interest? Uh, no. Um, I, <laughs> I actually do skip immediately Masterclass ads. I think they just hit the point where the quantity is just so great that I, you know, they kind of, the peak, I've hit my peak, and now it's just straight downhill. I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Uh, they get the skip when they pop up for me. Uh, sorry, Masterclass. I know you pay us a lot of money. I'm just trying to keep it real with the listeners. You, and you know what you're doing? You're, you're being a good uh, citizen and you're providing them helpful feedback because uh, clearly their frequency, their frequency is way too high and it is having a negative impact on your brand imagery. So they should probably take that back a little bit um, and, and, and lessen it up to a certain extent because clearly there's been a way people are talking about it, but it, they don't want to deter people from like you from feeling interested in it and having negative connotations. So, uh, valuable feedback, I see. That's too bad that you don't enjoy watching them, uh, Winter, because I'm going to make you right now tell us what your segment would be. What are you teaching the world? You know, what are you a master of, or you'll, you might become a master of very shortly that everyone hopefully won't skip your ad? Yeah, so today I got to really delve into my mastery of drinking mimosas. It's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Some people love the mimosa environment, the game, how to make it, the ratio. That's a chapter. That's a chapter right there. Sorry, that's a chapter right there. Is the ratio? Yeah, like that's a huge that's, chapter. That's a big part. It tells speed. it tells you a lot about who you are as a person and what you do in your ratio. It it sets the tone for what type of environment you want to set up. If you're the one concocting the mimosa, um, but there's some depth to that one. I'm, I'm signing up on that. Sorry, you're like 20 seconds into your head. Yeah. Keep going. Oh no, I mean you know it's. You know, that's, that's an episode about the ratio. It's a whole, it's a whole five episode course there. Um, then we've got, you know, tasting. It's similar to a wine. You can kind of swirl around in your mouth, get the bubbles, get the, uh, get everything swirling around on the, on the palate. Um, really and, and the orange juice, you know, you got to pick the right orange juice. You got to pick the right bubbly. It's, it's a mastery that I have, um, I have acquired over the years and I would love to share with the world. So sorry, masterclass. A new a new class is coming to town. I'm uh, I'm paying for this class. I subscribe. I'm in. Free mimosa. What's any giveaways or just enough? We should just be happy that you're telling us even how to make your your special mimosa. Uh, actually, no. It's how to drink the mimosa, not actually make it. So, um, uh, you will be given a couple photographed, framed pictures of myself drinking mimosas. Uh, that that's <laughs> going to be the the gift if you subscribe. 
So it won't actually help us at all. Great. Wait, uh, Jones, what's your what's your master class? Uh, my master class is probably um, my master class is probably on wow. Um, beard shaping. Beard shaping. Potentially. Uh, beard. Uh, beard. Corn, beardscaping. Corn. Corn bearding. Um, how to how to grow and maintain a beard during quarantine uh, for your first time. So it's really for beginners. It's not an expert level course. It's for those who are interested in, in potentially um, blowing out the the beard the beard hair. Uh, it's it's not many episodes. I think the first is uh, the philosophy of of having a beard. Why would you want a beard? Why wouldn't you want a beard? What is a beard? Why beard? You know, a, a lot of the deep questions that uh, a lot of men and, and young boys uh, think through, and it's important for you to contemplate early on in a beard career. Um, then you upgrade to actually growing it out and whether or not you can. It's That's a really short course. It's kind of like a yes or no, can you grow a beard? And then the third course after that is, okay, to what extent do you let it grow? And then you trim it. How can you trim it? in different trimming styles. Do you trim it yourself? Do you ask your roommate to trim it with you? Do you guys kind of shrug at each other and look in the mirror a couple of times, take some photos, profile photos and help line it up or not? Um, you find yourself both kind of smiling, looking in the mirror, back at each other, your roommates lining up the sideburns with a comb, figuring out, did I get enough? Did right. I shave it enough? Do we do the neck? Right. What angle do we shave the neck? Right, right. Do I, do I need to stand in the tub and lean at a backwards angle over the sink so that my roommate can get his right arm around and get the left side of my face at the right angle so that we're actually able to trim it. Like again, hypothetical situations that anyone needs to know if you're going to maintain a beard in this, um, this social, economy, this economy, especially yeah. in this economy. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Is that a love story that we were kind of hearing? It dovetails nicely into the notebook. If you have actually seen it before, yeah, yeah. um, the, the, the bubbling romance of a, of a young, um, uh, I don't know. A beard trimmer. Yeah. You have a young beard trimmer and his and his and his notebook and his notebook. <laughs> where yeah, he, right. he documents exactly how to trim his beard. That, right. That's the notebook, right? Yeah, that, the, yeah the, loosely, essentially, pretty loosely. Yeah. Very excited to see both of your master classes out in the wild. Now we're going to jump to last week today, where Winter is going to take us through some of the headlines that you should know from the last week today. Yeah. All right. So first off, we're going to start with Carly Lloyd, the one of the superstars on the U.S. women's national soccer team. She is very serious about becoming a kicker in the NFL. Quote, I know with proper training and the right technique and someone showing me how to properly kick, I know I could do it. It may have to get pushed a year or two. We'll see. I know the times right now are a little up in the air, so we'll see. I'm not ruling it out. You never know. End quote. She would be the first woman to play in the NFL. I think this would be a win-win for both the league and her, kind of proving that she is a badass and can totally play with these other guys. Now, the one thing that they talk about is her age. She's 37, which I guess is a little on the older side for the league. Uh, but there was Adam Vinatieri, who was a 46-year-old kicker uh, not too long ago. So I think she could totally do it. So kudos to her. I hope she continues and, and finds success. All right, next we've got Kanye West. He is planning on going virtual for today's Sunday Easter service. I'm a huge Kanye fan. Very much looking forward to this. Uh, I did hear because of the quarantine rules. Uh, he, so he's, it's beginning at 8 Eastern time, and it's going to be an exclusive of pre-recorded content. So it won't be live, but uh, it's going to be some not-seen-before content coming out. All right, next we've got 
astronauts returning to Earth and bracing for a very much changed society. So we've got two NASA astronauts uh, coming back to Earth after six months at the International Space Station. Uh, they anticipate feeling more isolated on Earth than in space. I thought that to be a very wild comment, um, something that really to be in their shoes is kind of insane to come back to this Earth that is so, so different and, and everyone is, is right, everyone's socially distancing and all this stuff. So, so interesting little, little article I read about there. Next, we've got firefighters responding in Ambleside, England to rescue a stag found with its antlers entangled in a soccer net. Uh, another example of the beautiful game of soccer welcoming all to the pitch. The stag getting out there working on its on its free kicks. Um, got a little excited after Selly got its antlers stuck in the net. All safe and sound though. He was freed successfully. No no harm. No injury. And uh, next we've got. I saw this just a few minutes ago. Man, you could land Harry Kane this summer. If they can find 200 million pounds, it's a whopping amount. Uh, the Spurs owner wants to alleviate the club's finances, who still owe a whopping 637 million pounds on their loan for 1 billion pounds to build their new stadium. Uh, so they are in some financial trouble. I don't think Harry Kane is loving his time at Spurs anymore. Uh, so that. That relationship definitely seems to be coming to an end. Who knows if it'll end at Man U. Um, so that's a development. To end this segment, here is a short little clip of an SNL skit uh, where they are hopping in on a Zoom call. Point the camera at you and just leave it be. <laughs> we're, no, we're not cut out for this. I thought this computer only did solitaire. We ruined the Zoom. Thanks for those headlines, Winter. Especially that Zoom call. I think something everyone can relate to right about now. We're going to jump into our first sponsor read. Obviously, love to give a huge thanks to our sponsors who make this show possible. And after that, we're going to come back with our awesome discussion with Andrew Tanari, professional soccer player. Be right back. During these dire times, it's important that we take care of our loved ones as well as ourselves. Be kind, be patient, practice compassion, and make sure you maintain the mandated social distancing guidelines. To help as we navigate the new normal, we at SC Johansson, a subsidiary of Uniclever, have created our very own social distancing spray. Should you be waiting in line at the grocery store and the eager patron behind you keeps breaking the six-foot perimeter, give them a little love squirt from our Mind the Gap spray, a frothy mixture of all the chemicals found in mace, Tabasco, and bear spray will explode into their face and kindly remind them to mind the gap. For easy use, aim the nozzle at the perpetrator's neck or face, squeeze the trigger, and if the stinging, frothy devil stream doesn't knock them back, our patented jet propulsion technology built into the spray itself should. Mind the Gap technology has not been approved by the FDA, CDC, or Congress, but neither is that stranger with the heavy cough who just brushed by you in the canned, book, canned goods aisle. Practice mindfulness, compassion, love, and a fervent adherence to what the World Health Organization dictates. Mind the Gap now so we can close it later. 
Wow, I'm actually recovering from a savage eye burn that almost left me blind because someone someone shot me with mine the gap the other day at the grocery store. Yeah, right? it has that effect. It's a it's a stinging sensation, but I think that stinging sensation, tell me if I'm wrong here, Winter, has made you more aware of your impact on others. Absolutely. I I appreciated the fact I almost went blind in my left eye, uh, and now I'm much more attuned to giving people their, their six feet of space. I generally give eight to 10 feet because I, uh, I really learned my lesson there. So great product, really, really taught me a lesson. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the CDC and other you know, federal organizations approve it soon. I think, I think everyone should be using it. And I always thought Mind the Gap was just a slogan used in the Tube Underground in London. But here we are. Never heard that before. Here we are. With that, we're going to jump into our interview with Andrew. Here it is. Very excited to welcome Andrew Tenari to the pod, midfielder for New Mexico United, the United Soccer League, USL. Before playing on New Mexico United, he played for New York Red Bulls 2 and the Tampa Bay Rowdies at Columbia University. He was an architecture major. Pretty cool and won the Ivy League title in 2016, as well as picking up Rookie of the Year and First Team All Ivy Honors in three out of his four seasons. Pretty impressive. Andrew, welcome to the pod. What's going on? Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. Um, I have to ask, the first thing jumps out at us, anyone looking at this bio, reading this bio, architecture major, um, uh, I I don't know a ton about it, um, and I'm hoping you can help educate me. Can you explain why you majored in architecture, Two, who is your favorite architect? Because everyone has a favorite architect, obviously. And then three, who would you compare that architect to in the modern game of football right now? Architect two. Wow. Look at you guys, huh? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we'll start off. um... It gets easier. These are just the hard-hitting questions off the bat. Yeah, Yeah, we'll start off with um, why I went into architecture. Growing up, I've always been pretty creative. I've always enjoyed drawing, and to this day, I paint almost weekly. Um, so I've just been a very I'm, I would consider myself a bit creative. So growing up, my mom was always um, encouraging that, and every time we would come to the city, that would be that would be the first thing we would talk about is the different buildings, um, which was which was cool and. Um, is something that I continue to do today wherever I go is I find myself just looking around and, and admiring some of the pieces, especially when you go to Europe, it's kind of impossible not to. Um, so I actually went into college going down the econ investment banking path. And I quickly realized that was definitely not for me. Um, and just decided I wasn't really sure how to go about the architecture um, because most schools are five year and then you most likely would have to get a master's. So I was like, is this realistic? Cause Columbia only did a four year program. So I ended up just kind of committing to it. Um, and it's kind of best thing I've, I've done. I truly, I never really enjoyed school. Like high school was pretty easy. Um, grade wise my school wasn't, it was a public school, so it wasn't crazy. So I got by pretty well. And with soccer, it helped getting into Columbia, but it was the first time I truly enjoyed like the education and learning. Um, and that was kind of a big thing I was grateful for going to Columbia. Um, That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it was, it was nice. And I think I've matured in that way. And it was like this Columbia in general has taught me so much more than I would have 
thought was even possible. It was pretty much a degenerate going into it, so it was pretty much. That's fair. Do you find yeah. yourself now that we're all now that we're all kind of stuck at home, you've been able to break out the I don't know what your your medium is. We're obviously not not experts ourselves, but any sort of like drawing, painting that, yeah. that you do now while you got some extra time. Yeah, I mean, I've been I paint like I said, I paint probably twice a week. Um, but I've been going, there's, they have now I heard, I overheard you guys talking about masterclass. They have all these online courses that are available now. So I have enrolled in two courses. So that's been keeping me busy. But besides that, just reading as much as possible as well. Follow-up question was favorite architect on the spot. I mean, there's so many theory classes that you learn about. Like Libby, he's good. All right, how good? Like Lampard, like Gerard, like give us a comparison of oh, what kind of Totti like, level. Could you give that? Oh, Totti's king. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. What club team you support? If you support a club team, but obviously you must. Ah, uh, Roma, man. Roma, oh, great. Have you been to? Have you been to Italy? Have you been to any games in Italy? Yeah, yeah. I've been to. Um, when I was younger, I went to like a. It was four regional teams, so we didn't really have a choice. But we were in Bologna, and I actually saw Roma play Bologna there, which was pretty cool. Um, I've been to um, Milan Inter game at the San Siro, um, and yeah, I think that's. I've only been to those two Italian games, but um, I've been. I was in Italy trialing before I came to New Mexico um, for about a month, so I was I was all around Italy for a bit. Oh, that's amazing, man. What was the turning point for you when you realized that you have what it what it took to play at the next level, play professionally? Um, to be honest, I went through a little phase in college where I was like, you know what, I'm kind of done with this. Um, my sophomore year and then junior year, I ended up kind of finding some little spark again um, and was like, you know what, going to senior year, I might as well try it. Otherwise, I'll be pretty upset with myself if I don't. It wasn't about like whether I was good enough or not. Um, it was more just about trying to do it. Um, and it didn't help that I wasn't in the draft and stuff like that. Now the draft is becoming less and less important. But um, a couple of years ago, the draft was still very much a big thing getting into these teams and not being in it hurt my case. And I think that's also a reason why breaking into the first teams and not having a proper agent. I think there are a lot of things that I would have done differently, but um, yeah, I mean, kind of just committed to it. Just like with architecture, I was like, you know what, if I'm not, I'm going to do it, let's do it. So, and then now that I'm in it, it's kind of hard to stop. You realize how like just this last month, not playing every day, you're just like, Jesus, what if I wasn't playing? Like, what would like, this is, this is sad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Do you think that was the toughest part of the journey was kind of that that phase either sophomore year when you were when it felt a little uncertain or just trying to make it, you know, once you graduate, like you said, the system is tough to break into, uh, yeah. even though now obviously you, you you got there and, you know, you've been a part of the USL for for a, a couple of years, kind of gaining experience and, and yeah. building your resume. I mean, now I, I always say, like, you have to be prepared, like now you're doing something that was just for love, you're doing it as a job and you're being judged on something you love so it's it's hard and it's hard not to take some things personal so it does become like a like anything and um an emotional battle as well um especially when you're not getting the things you want or you feel like you deserve or blah blah 
Um, so it's, it's, it's a different way of, it's now a job, you know, you're getting paid and you have to, you have to start thinking financially and different things like this. And it's all based on something that you originally loved. Um, but I think this time is helping all of us in general, just like even watching games, you you forget how much, it, how much joy it brings you. So it's, it's been nice actually. Yeah, Andrew, I can, I can definitely relate to, you know, that feeling of once, you know, you take it for granted when you go through the motions every day, you know, I watch, I love watching EPL every weekend. And now that it's gone, it makes me really appreciate it more. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that it, that it is on every week. Um, but going back to, it sounded like sophomore year, you were kind of, you know, thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't play soccer, you know, maybe thinking about dropping, it sounded like. And then junior year, you, you kind of caught a spark and you were, you were feeling it, you were in the zone. So I'm curious, what, uh, what do you think is your intangible? It sounds like junior year, you know, maybe you had, there's something about you as a player that really set you apart on the field. I think, I think it was all about the environment I was in. Um, sophomore year, I was, I was, I mean, sophomore year, I was really focusing on school. And I was really trying to find that balance between Columbia is not like the most um, understanding when it comes to school and, and sports. Um, they really value academics. So just finding that balance and, and knowing that like, I didn't want to fall short on either end. And that's what I kind of fell my sophomore year. And I was like, you know what, it's, it's time to really start f- focusing on everything and really find that time management. Um, and I think that was one thing I really did well my junior year was I was excelling in both. And it was, it was just, everything was kind of working out for that, 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 that year. So it, it was a good time and we had fun and unfortunately we didn't get the results we wanted for that year, but the next year was even better. So it was good. Nice. That's yeah, that's great. Um, do you think coaching had a, maybe had a, had an influence or an effect as well? It's kind of just a different level looking back at it and you take it's, you take it for what it was and, and it was more, it was more structured than it is now. Um, now, now we have freedom to kind of do what we want to say. We have, we have a say um, we're pretty much like we're colleagues of our coaches. So mm-hmm. they need just as much from us than we need from them. And I think that's like a different kind of way when in college, it's very structured there from the times you do like you have study hall together or something simple like that. So um, it's just different now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because you see, you know, at least for all of us, where we see a lot of the coach player kind of relationships play out for professional sports all across the board, whether it's like the NBA or all the stories that get leaked, but there's a very real relationship that happens between like the coaches and their players off the field when you're traveling and all the, you know, all the small things in practice and the way you interact. So it definitely can totally see it playing a, a large role now that you're more you're more of equals because of the level everyone's playing at. No, for sure. Like during this call, my, my, one of my coaches was FaceTiming me and that's, that's an everyday thing here. Um, and it's not weird. You just talk about everything. You talk about systems. We've, we've watched about 20 hours in the last week of games and the way we want to play just with individual groups or, um, just a group of three, maybe even. Um, so we're, it's just, everyone everyone has a different like mindset about it and guys have families here so it's they're all grown men before we get into kind of more of what life in the usl is like and and hear a little bit more about that part of your life 
we did have you prepare some uh, some some rankings. Yeah. You know, classic classic tradition here on the Footy Fellas podcast is we do have our our top five rankings, which are pretty special. So, would love to give you the honor today of talking through your top five unique travel experiences. All right. Um, all right. I mean, my, I would go like we're doing country, right? Yeah. We'll however, you, however you want to get into it. Yeah, I would probably say my top is Jordan. Ooh. Um, then Egypt, then China, then Italy, and then um, just a simple one. We went to we had a my my sister had um a, a wedding in Dominican Republic, and it was one of the best weekends but obviously dominican is quite different from any of those other um (laughs) but uh it was like it was a fun experience and a a time that i won't forget with my family so i would put that top there too were each of those trips so the dominican trip was you know wedding kind of more celebration mode where any other trips was italy was that soccer trials no just i've been to italy a decent amount of times now um and it's just i love it I love um, the culture, everything. I mean, I, I'm Italian, so I have my dual citizenship. So it's just I try and be as much Italian as I possibly can without being fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, for every other trip, we had a, my brothers and I had a – by the time my one brother turned 30, we wanted to do the seven wonders of the world. So that's why I went to Egypt, Jordan, China. So, But we didn't end up finishing it, unfortunately. That's awesome. What yeah. so? What separates like? Talk me through that that top three. Why are they in that order? Um, and, and why why is Italy just getting shrifted and completely put on the back burner? Because it's like, it's it's. So I I until that point until the Dominican Republic I've never been out of the country with my my parents, so it was always with my brothers or with soccer, and it was Jordan was for my sixteenth birthday and they they I was blessed enough for them to plan this trip for me we were in the middle of the desert one night and um we're like 200 feet up on this cliff like overlooking the sunset and it was one of those moments you can't really explain and you're just like you're enjoying the moment with your family um and you're not getting it's it's it's, you don't really get those moments often in life so it's it's little little things like that um made that made that trip especially um so amazing and worthwhile so it was cool you describing it had me i I closed my eyes for a second i felt like i was there it it sounded beautiful it sounded beautiful good imaginary (laughs) (laughs) you you really painted a picture um how 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 about egypt how about egypt egypt was cool i mean obviously the pyramids were something different um but egypt in general just kind of seeing that way of life is uh, was definitely interesting and a uh, culture shock for me. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was just the little things again, it's, you can't really explain them unless like you're there and you're, you're experiencing like we, we got lost a couple times and we were just in pretty sketchy areas. And it was, it was during the time it was years ago when um, they actually was having the revolt in the, in the square where the national museum was. And when we walk out of the museum, you can still see, the burnt down buildings from a month ago from when we were there. We we're kind of there at a perfect time. So it's just really interesting for me to be there, especially at that age. I was just so taken back by everything. Wow. Yeah. What, what made you and your brother want to do the 
Seven Wonders of the World and kind of embark on some of those trips? Um, it just came up one day, and we were like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's try and do it. And so we tried booking up a trip every year, and obviously some years got messed up because of as we're getting older, things are different. We have different timing, but we kind of just committed to it. And um, we've all been to Italy, like the, the the Coliseum, so that was like an easy one. So we already had that one booked. Um, but we just we were trying to get creative with it and just committing because that's the biggest thing. We say we'll do it, but we never actually did it until we just were like screw it. I think the one the one trip that I that I've taken to Italy, uh, it was more of like a touristy you know see like yes we saw the basilica and the trevi fountain i think and so you know we only did parts of it but i would have loved to have seen it through the eyes of more of like a local or someone like yourself that had been there a couple times and like you know you know all the good restaurants and it feels more like a home and you're just exploring versus like going to see the couple of well-known areas basically yeah but it's 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 always so tough like if you've never been there you gotta you have to do it you know True, true. <laughs> That's fair. You got to dive in. Sometimes you're diving to Jordan, other times it's Albuquerque, but at the end of the day, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a journey, right? It's going to be something you explore. Winter, you got any travel experiences you want to throw in the mix here? Yeah, I was just going to say that I am, I'm hyped that, Andrew, you mentioned Bologna as one of like the first things you had mentioned during this interview. I, yeah. I loved Bologna, Bologna so much when I went. I studied abroad my junior year in, in Madrid, Spain, and I went with my girlfriend, who was also in Spain, to Bologna. Really? And I just fell in love with the city. I think it's amazing. Tanara, you might, you might not like this story. I went to um, Rome when I was like nine or six or something, something I really can't remember much. Um, uh, but I remember that I loved... I was falling in love with with football at the time, and don't say um, Lazio, man. Don't not. No. Say <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll cut him off there. We'll cut no, off there. no, no, no. Fortunately, not Lazio. Um, <laughs> that would have been wow. I should have thought about that. Oh, yeah. I, would, I would love your reaction on that one. No, not Lazio. Um, but uh, at the time, I mean, Juve was 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 just killing it, and so I, I fell in love with the with the stripe, the uniform, the black and white, and uh, my my parents bought me like a full kit, and so I was this little kid walking around Rome, this one little blonde, blue-eyed American kid in a, <laughs> maybe Del Piero or something. I don't know. I had no idea what I was rocking. But um, ever since, I've, I've been a big fan. I was a big fan of the days when we had Trezeguet and uh, Zlatan. I loved his little, his little spell there. Um, yeah. I mean, um, that's one of the teams that you can't, like, they've been so good for so many years now that it's you can't not enjoy the way they're playing. They just They get so many good guys. And they're they're not gonna stop being good until something poor happens. Well, appreciate you sharing some of your travel experiences with us. Yeah. Um, sure. Going to move into some USL where we want to hear about kind of generally what's what's life like in the USL. I mean, ourselves we really don't know much. I think pretty much all of our listeners, you know, definitely don't have an inside look into what playing in that that kind of second division in the US is like. It's obviously pretty. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty up there and there's a lot of matches between USL, MLS teams, a lot of like cups and things like that. So it, it's not that far off, but what's life like in the USL? What's the toughest part, the best part? How's your experience been so far? Um, to be honest, uh, the USL from time I got in, I think it's, it's definitely gotten a bit better. Um, a lot of guys from the MLS, um, maybe not getting an opportunity they would have liked or, um, been there for a couple of years, starting to slow down a bit, 
or they want to go back to their hometown, they end up coming to a USL team. So it's naturally getting better and better. Um, but there's still a bit of, there's still a bit of, um, what's the word? There's just discrepancies between the league. Um, yeah. And you can go to one team where they have a hundred and something fans. And then you can come to like a New Mexico where we average between 13, 14,000 on a really good night. Um, so it's just, it's like a hit or miss and, um, it's, it's hard to sometimes to be motivated when you're in a situation where you're, I know this year and last year, I was lucky enough to be on two teams that were, had good situations, good, good locker rooms, good pay, good different, all around, um, solid clubs that are trying to move to the next level in one way or another. Um, but you do have some teams that are struggling financially and, and it's hard to be motivated when you're at those, at those clubs. Um, so that I think once, I think it's going to take a couple of years for the league to truly be valued around the world, if not within the U S alone. Um, and you're starting to see it around six or seven guys last year, um, moved up to MLS. So it's, it's starting to become a real thing. And I think teams are starting to notice it a bit more, but there are a lot of discrepancies throughout the league and inefficiencies throughout the league that could obviously be better, but it's still a new league at the same time. And um, for the past five years, I think it's always been looked up down upon as um, the secondary and where guys from the first team, if, if you're at a MLS club for playing for a two team where it's just, you're kind of disposable at any moment once the first team guy needs to come down. So it's just little things like that, that I think eventually will change, but um, um, definitely getting better as time's going on for sure. You mentioned how, you know, the league is still pretty new, but I imagine there are a lot of familiar faces you see um, perhaps friends from, from college or uh, from playing club ball. Do you stay in touch with those guys? Do you talk trash? Is it all supportive? Is it critical? Um, how do you how do you maintain any of those friendships? I mean, it's, I think that's all up to you, kind of who you are as a person. Um, yeah, I talk to a bunch of guys who are still in the league and in the MLS as well, and um, just <laughs> it's always it's all fun. And even now, like you're a professional, you play your friend, and it's it's game on, but. You, you still have those moments where you're, you're, you kick each other and you're laughing about it. You know what I mean? Um, so it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to take it for what it is. You're playing a sport and it's something that you're loving, love for. So, I mean, I don't, I don't take it too seriously. And the day I do punch me because uh, that's, that's not what I'm here for, you know? <laughs> I'll do yeah, that. I'll be there. I'll be there. That. I'll bring my Lazio yeah. jersey too. It'll be a double punch. Oh, yeah. Nice. Does it feel like a brotherhood in the USL? I know you mentioned it's kind of a newer league, but what's the feeling among all of the players that are kind of in this together? Is everyone working towards the MLS? What's the, you know, the environment like between players on different yeah. teams? Yeah, I mean, the soccer world in general is small between MLS and USL. If you had, if you had, if you've been in at, at a, MLS club, um, you kind of know it a lot of people because a lot of people, it's a lot of turnover, uh, believe it or not. So you you meet so many people throughout. Like the amount of guys I've met that are still in the league or in the MLS now um, is incredible. What's the uh, what's the team dynamic like off the field? 
with uh, New Mexico or just in general? Yeah, that's fair. I guess it, it obviously differs, you know, team to team. Yeah, I mean, right now it's a bit tough. Like we're we're still new, but um, the guys here are pretty. Like you talk about good guys, but and good guys on the field, good guys off the field. But in general, the one thing that sets this team apart and um, is every single guy is pretty exceptional. Um, whether that be great father, great friend, great brother, like every single guy here is good. Um, which is rare and you, you rarely see that you always have a couple of egos, but this team is cool. Um, and just the kind of the, the way they, we handle things here in New Mexico is they're doing the front office and the coaches are n- next level and I can, it's very comparable to MLS. So just guys take it, take it serious. They're very accountable, but off the field, like we, we, we all get beers, like we can't be with each other, but we all live in the the same apartment and every other night we're in the the common area just drinking having fun so it's a bit, good group of guys here that's awesome yeah hey andrew i got a i got a quick uh quick question for you yeah so uh one of our earlier podcasts i i mentioned uh, a main topic discussion and it had to do with introducing relegation style format into American sports leagues and I'm mm-hmm. curious and I want your take as a USL player what what would you think about releg- what are your thoughts on relegation between a USL and MLS uh, um, league would you be would you be for it against it a couple of reasons no, I mean I've, I think eventually that's what the US is going to have to go towards for it to become lucrative and and um, like a real system within the US because it's just it's it's way too hard right now because what is it some crazy it's like 150 million just to get into the league right now okay um so i don't i don't know how they're going to truly go about that but like i said there's some teams that could like a phoenix or even even us or um who else is decent um, well, Cincinnati win, but at the time there were, there are teams that could easily play, um, and compete in the MLS. So I think it's, I think because there is a discrepancy, the lower leagues, not a chance. I don't think it, it would be comparable. It would make sense, but the top four teams can do it. Like Phoenix played six, six MLS teams in preseason. And the first one was against Cincinnati. They lost, but it was they were only playing. They were only together for two days before they played them. And then they go on and they win three in a row. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's preseason, but it's still, it goes to show that there are some teams that can do it. And um, as time goes on, I think it will be, I think it's going to be necessary for the U.S. to really start thinking about how to go about relegation style. Yeah, sure. I sure hope you're right. I think relegation, adding the relegation format would be really awesome and a, a benefit. Last few about the USL. What do you think the biggest way you've had to change your game personally has been since you entered the USL? Maybe things you've learned from college or how you've had to adjust to play at this this higher level? Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's, it differs from team to team. Like playing at Red Bull, the Red Bull style. Um was very high, a lot of high press uh, moments and they valued off the ball more than more than anything um and coming here it's still worth trying our ideal and 
what we want to do is a high press system defensively. But once we get the ball, we are slowing the game down. Um, so I think it's I think it's very different from team to team, and just kind of learning how to be a professional um, every day um, and being smart and, and taking your 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 craft seriously um, in a sense of like the way you're prep preparing, not in a sense of like your emotions and everything like that. Um, so it's, I think it's just, I think in general, I've grown over time. Uh, obviously I feel like I've gotten better from college. Um, I don't think yeah. that, like looking back as I, I was actually watching a, a couple months ago, they brought up, my coach like brought up something and they were like joking around and my, my highlight tape was in the middle of the locker room and everyone was like watching it. <laughs> Everyone's got that one moment. What? Everyone's got that moment where some the old highlights get brought up, regardless yeah, of what Yeah, I walked in, I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> and um, they're all just watching, uh, and it's obviously their highlights, but just seeing how slow the game is compared to what it is now, it's interesting. I noticed just looking back at some of your, your older stats, kind of those first two years on Red Bull, that first year, you know, two goals, and then I think in 2018, you bumped it up to seven goals. Was yeah. it just you know, continuing to adjust, higher press, the way the team was playing, late runs into the box. What do you think made the difference there? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like, everything, like, politics come into play. So I didn't play the first, like, seven games or something like that. I was new. I wasn't drafted. So, obviously, first-team guys coming down had the obvious pick. But, I mean, it's kind of, like, there's not much you can do about it. You're new to the team. You got you can't really say much and put the work in. So kind of what I was doing and – Actually, one of the guys got a red card, and I actually finally got my opportunity. And after that, I didn't. I started every game since, um, and then became the captain the next year. So it's just doing what you need to do and not saying shit. You know what I mean? Sorry for cursing. Um, no, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, it's just keeping your head and being professional every day, um, and you'll reap the resort re rewards. You know. That's that's so cool that you you know, kind of became captain after one season, that's got to speak to your kind of personality, leadership, in addition to, to playing skills, obviously. But what was it being captain of a team that's, you know, all ages, why, you know, people with families and things like that? How are you able to kind of get across to the lads and, and get everyone together, you know, provide leadership and, and be the best captain you could be with all, all age range that you were working with? Yeah, your team? I, think, I think Red Bull was a little different. I was my second year, I was just turned 23 at the end of the year. Um, so I was, but I was still one of the older, oldest guys. And I think there, the guys are so young and I was training with the first team almost every day my second year. Um, they naturally just kind of looked up to you. So I, it wasn't as much like, I'm not, I'm not a talker. I, I try and lead by example, but if I had to say something, I would say it and guys would just naturally listen because they're younger, you know? Um, here now, now it's, it's a bit different. Guys are older, they have kids, they have families. So it's, it's really sh leading by example and, and everyone kind of knows what they need to do. And for you to have to say something, then there has to be a problem, you know? Yeah. Being a collegiate soccer player, playing in Columbia D1, did you find that, and you wanted to play, you know, continue playing after school, obviously, did you find yourself confronted with really two choices coming out of coming out of school senior year was it do I go play on a foreign professional team or do I pursue a USL MLS route 
could you kind of talk us through maybe your mindset senior year and, and what why you chose maybe a USL MLS route versus maybe going to um, Europe and playing professionally? Um, to be honest, I just didn't know enough at that time. You know, uh, I didn't know uh, many people in Europe for that to even be um, an option. Like, yeah, you have friends of friends who are like, oh, yeah, we'll try and help. But at the same time, you're coming out of college and Europe is not really attracted to that. So I think what I was being told is go for go for MLS, go for USL, uh, get your foot in the door in one of those leagues, and then we can try and move forward um, going with that. At that time, I also didn't have my citizenship, my Italian citizenship. So it was, was going to be even that much harder at this as well. So. I think at first it was always going to be in the U.S. for sure. Um, and also why I went to Red Bull as well is because they were allowing me to still graduate. Otherwise, I would have had to leave school early. All right, dude. We're, uh, we want to be conscious of your time, so, yeah, so I appreciate everything you've provided. We've got, a, we've got a couple quick questions I hope are nice and easy for you to just walk us through. Um, first is, who is your favorite current um, – soccer player right now and why current um i would have to say de bruyne or varati why i mean i guess positionally but um they're definitely different i think de bruyne is just class all around when he's healthy and uh varati is a uh, pretty pretty similar stature wise and uh He's Italian. He's Italian boy, so I, I enjoy watching him. <laughs> All right, there's the favoritism. We were looking for that. All right. Um, who is your favorite non-soccer sport athlete to watch? Non-soccer, um, for sure, Feder. Just dominant. He's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing, bro. He's class. Definition of class. And what's your what's your favorite advice to? give to people when they ask what it takes, you know, if they want to be, whether it's playing in the USL or just moving up the ranks in whatever sport or other craft that they're working on, what's been the biggest either advice that you've gotten or kind of words of wisdom that you'd want to, want to share with them? To be honest, this is, this is going to pretty much sound corny. Obviously like everything takes a, a certain amount of focus and dedication, of course. Um, but so just to keep, just continue and enjoy whatever you're doing because once you lose that joy, it's you. You find a lot of struggles with continuing, and you start to learn a lot about yourself. So finding joy and truly sticking to what you you know works for you. Um, of course, that's like if you're trying to get better, you have to really evaluate what you're doing and um, focus on your your weak areas, but. Once you lose that joy, you're, it's it's for me. It's not worth it anymore. You know. Yeah. Now I love that. I'm definitely, definitely on board with that, and it's obviously gotten you to to a you know a good place, and you'll you'll keep grinding because that's the yeah. that's the motto. Not there yet, boys. Though not yet there yet. Not there yet. That's right. Yeah. Well, really appreciate your time, Andrew. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and talking a little about USL places you've traveled some of your background and and you know being here with us on funny fellas appreciate it i appreciate you guys thank you for the call whenever you whenever you play against the fire come through town let us know and we'll uh we'll, we'll hit an architecture tour together i'm down
and um, just take you out on like a normal to like a normal or we'll actually have some fun yeah <laughs> we could have some good fun right uh, all right boys i appreciate your time all right thank you Andrew. thanks right, man. gonna head to our next sponsor before we round out our pod with our critically acclaimed over under game Tired of running around your house and yard hiding Easter eggs for your kids? Don't want to wake up at the crack of dawn to hide the eggs before the kids are awake? Now you don't have to worry about either problem. Introducing the Easter Egg Cannon and the Easter Egg Boom Boom. The cannon is used to be outside and works similar to a sprinkler in your yard. Load up the cannon the night before with all your candy-filled eggs. Set the timer, and at the preset time, the cannon will shoot the eggs all over the yard saving you all that time and effort. The Boom Boom device is really nice for indoor egg hiding. Coming with a perfect little amount of gunpowder, fill the device with your candy-filled eggs. Fill a side panel with gunpowder and light the fuse. In no time, your living room will be littered with all your Easter eggs, some perfectly hidden, and others stuck in the walls. Keep children away, uh, 10 feet at minimum, and always be careful when lighting the fuse. Morning. Some houses have burnt down, so use at your own discretion. Get yours today and make Easter the holiday your whole family won't forget. Unforgettable. I really love. I, you know, again, knowing how many, um, how many listeners to this pod are are younger, that younger demo that we work with, they'll probably hear this and recommend it to their parents. Hey, can we get this so that we can get the Easter egg hunt a little more? dangerous it's kind of the evolution of the pinata if you think about it the pinata requires some sort of physical effort there needs to be a celebration going on there's usually fun involved kind of food happiness laughter singing you know everything else kind of going on at the party while the pinata is getting hit and candy's falling out for this you don't need any of that no you don't need the fun no you don't need the laughs no you don't even need the people right you set up this device you just need gunpowder i guess right. sounds like right it, it sounds almost a little archaic but but is that really the only substance that works in this device winter uh yeah yep yep it's actually high-tech technology but it does require gunpowder to activate the propel the propulsion unit uh to then shoot the eggs throughout the house everybody wins speaking of everybody winning we're going to hop into our over under segment where jones is going to take us through things that are over underrated or just rated as they should be all right, boys, welcome to Over Under. Um, this week's, this week's uh, topic is apocalyptic scenarios. Yes, inspired by the current one that we're in. Um, I have thought through a variety of others and would like your opinion on whether those other opportunities uh, or situations are overrated, rated, or underrated. Uh, we'll start with you, Eli. You have 15 seconds to confirm whether... An alien invasion is overrated, rated, or underrated? It's overrated strictly because of the media, the movies that have been out there in our lifetimes looking at alien invasions. It looks kind of exciting. You know, maybe there's kind of the shoot 'em up thrill. You escape, you have a group, you find your people, what, you know, zombies, all that kind of stuff, but it would suck. So overrated. <laughs> good take, good take. Uh, back to you, Winter. Uh, apoc- apocalyptic scenario. Um, asteroids, are they rated, overrated, or um, underrated? 
asteroids hitting Earth are underrated. I don't think people realize the huge amount of destruction that could be caused by an asteroid hitting the Earth. Uh, we've had some close calls that pop up in the media but get no attention. I think that would be super scary, very underrated. Eli, I think we have to cover this one off and make sure we've done our due diligence. Can you confirm whether a pandemic is rated, underrated, or overrated? I think a pandemic is rated as it should be. You know, it's tough. It's tough for all of us, but everyone is coming together, making the most of it, staying safe, staying home, hashtag stay home, and it's, it's rated because we're in it at the moment. Nice spin. Um, Icy, uh, you're an expert here. Can you confirm whether zombies uh, is underrated, overrated, or rated? Zombies. I think I think they are underrated. I think a lot of TV and movies portray them as. Oh, actually, that's kind of tough. Okay, I get half half portray them as kind of dumb, you know, walking creatures that don't really do much, and others are like super scary zombies. I think that zombies would be super scary. I think they're underrated. Uh, I'd be, I would be freaking out if zombies took over the All world. Right. You were like 12 seconds over there. So would you worry. rather aliens or zombies be invading? Aliens. All right. Respect. Yeah. Aliens would be probably a little cooler. Yeah. When you think about that? Um, Eli, uh, standard one here. Vengeance from the gods. Is that overrated, rated, or underrated? Vengeance for the, from the gods is underrated. And for all of our listeners that have read the Percy Jackson series pretty in depth, maybe a couple times each book, you know that it's serious and it'll require some sort of cross-country adventure just to set things right, which is no joke. And so it's pretty, pretty underrated vengeance from the gods. Appreciate that. Um, Winter, you might know a thing or two here. Can you confirm whether global warming is rated, underrated, or rated? Holy cow, what a question. What? A question: Global warming is extremely underrated. Uh, it's under, under, underrated. People don't understand that it's real. It's happening right now. If we don't do anything soon to act, it might be too late. Appreciate that. Um, and in a very similar vein, Eli, can you confirm whether Robot Uprising is rated, <laughs> underrated, or rated? The Robot Uprising is rated as it should be. We have made it, and we're here to stay. Yeah, it's probably, I don't know, it's probably, that was, I don't even know what happened there, it just kind of blacked out, but uh, it's probably underrated. Okay, really cavalier answer. <laughs> um, and I see, last and, and certainly not least, um, were the world under siege uh, via dragons, would that be rated, underrated, or rated? The world under siege by dragons would be awesome. Uh, pretty scary, but awesome. I think we'd have a good shot at survival. I'm going to say that is overrated. I think you know dragons are scary, but we have houses, nice structures that are fire resistant. So overrated. Excellent. I think you guys answered all those correctly. So thank you for your time. Um, there are movies we can attribute to each of these scenarios. And if you would like a follow-up, happy to pass it along. Um, otherwise, uh, I am going to be in my bunker from here on out. Thanks, as always, for listening and making it to the end. If you've listened this far, we obviously had a lot of fun doing this. And as always, we'll be back next week with more great content. Deuces. Cheers.
season. Holy cow.